0: Friday. I hope you have had the most amazing week, but beyond having a most amazing week, I hope you have had the most amazing few weeks because we have been on a break. Now, if this is the first time listening to Conversations with Toy, I am Toy, obviously of the podcast. I wanted to welcome you. This is a safe space We try to, I should say, I try to have conversations that are uplifting, that are something about learning. And we always talk about mental health, wellness, and all of the things in between. Sometimes we talk about the things that happen on these internet streets, but for the most part, this is a safe space. So welcome. I hope that something that you listened to resonated with you. I hope that something that you heard is going to help you along your journey, whether it's helping you with self-care, self-improvement, all of the things in between. Welcome. I am grateful to have you in this space. But can I just say to those who have been already listening, to my faithful listeners, you have been holding me down. I've been on a break, but the numbers, y'all are out here listening, and I love you for it. I love that for all of us, right? And I'm appreciative of that because doing a podcast, when you're putting your voice out there and you're putting this content out there, it is a lot. And I appreciate the times when I'm editing and I'm getting things just right because it just lets me know that there is a space for this podcast. So I appreciate it, but there's a few things you should do. I always say this one, thank you for listening. That's already half the battle Two, share it with someone else who needs to listen to it. And lastly, thirdly, Riva, leave us a review because the way that I grow, the way that this platform grows is by word of mouth. Somebody saying, did you hear this podcast? This girl is talking about all these crazy ideas about mental health and therapy and just getting ourselves together and then being honest when we're not, because can we have that conversation? Now we do have a guest on today's podcast. I will get to that in a few moments, but since it's been a few weeks, there's a lot, a lot going on, but I do want to have a conversation about just for the parents. I know everybody who's listening is not a parent, nor do I advocate for everybody to be a parent. Let me say that one more time. I am a parent of three. I love my children dearly. I do not advocate for people to be parents because I feel like that should be a lifetime, a lifetime decision that no one should enter in, um, just to do it or just because you feel the pressure to do it, you know, you may be in a relationship So that seems like the next logical step All of that stuff is nonsense because when you have a child, this is a lifetime It doesn't matter how old your child gets you are still going to be a parent into some aspects into some points You are still going to be the encourager You're going to be the one that's helping out when things get funny and crazy if you're a good parent So I say that to say Don't you jump into these parenting streets if you ain't ready and for those who have decided that they're not Wanting to have a children, there's a couple of things. One, do it. Don't have a child if you don't want to. There's nothing more irking to see some of these parents that you already know shouldn't be parents, which we're going to talk about for five seconds. Be parents when they're not ready. That's number one. Number two, When you're not ready to have a child or when you weren't ready to have a child, it shows. It shows in how you treat that child. It shows in how you talk to that child. It shows in how you just show up as a parent or you don't show up as a parent. So I would prefer more people to not have children who are not ready to have children than for you to jump into this children lifestyle because it's not for the faint. I spent a lot of hours up, you know, working and doing the things I need to do to grow my business and things of that sort. But then there's the other aspects of getting them together and teaching them how to get everything together. And it doesn't come with a manual. So sometimes I feel like days I'm feeling like, yes, we hit the mark. I hit it. I got it together. And then there's some days I'm like, speak to me, Jesus, because I'm not sure if I'm doing this correctly. I want to make sure that I'm encouraging. I want to make sure that I'm there. I want to make sure that I'm present and it's not always an easy battle. So being a parent is not easy. However, during this break, I have been bopping and stopping around in these streets, doing a lot of content for companies, which I absolutely love. So if there's a company listening, you want to sponsor this podcast, or you want me to do a blog, hit me up on my email. I'm here for that. Secondly, secondly, I went to an amusement park this summer. Actually, I've been to almost every amusement park in the area. Listen, I'm here for it. They wanted to have me out, invited my family. I said, hey, let's see how we can make that happen. And they did. And I went to an amusement park recently where a child, I should say two children, were left unattended. Yes, you heard me correctly. They were left unattended while the parents rode the ride. So they were sitting on the sidelines um, and they were just basically watching their phones as their parents got on the ride. Now, these two children, I would say maybe between the ages of three or four, so as the parents were getting on the ride, the children began to cry. I let the people know who was running the show. Like, listen, ain't nobody watching these babies. Like nobody in this line knows them. So they try to get the parents to come off and guess what these parents did. The worst thing that a parent could do is say, no, I'm riding this ride. Let them sit there. Um. Since when do cell phones become the only source of babysitter? First of all, they're not any source of babysitter. Let me clarify that for you. So everybody started Everybody start coming for me in the comments because I'm a full time, very much uh hands on parent. I have meant that I will allow my kids to be on their cell phones and their electronics, but it's not to babysit them. And they're not the only source of entertainment, but for me to walk away from my children completely, just so I can go do something. That's not a thing for me. That that's never going to be a thing. Um, I'm just hands on my husband and I are very much hands on. So this was, I took, this was a little bit of a taking back to see parents just disregard the kids safety. And the fact that your kids are crying. Like for me, You know, I don't want to be overprotective and so crazy to the point where I can't live life. But if my child is crying or they're in distress or they need me, it is my job to figure out what it is that they need. And obviously, them not knowing where their parents were, since their parents just got up, left them on the steps watching these phones, and walked away, is very concerning. And especially if you'll do it in public, because we all know as parents that when we're out in public, especially when we have to correct our children, We have to be with our kids when we do whatever it is that we're doing. Oftentimes we know the eyes of people are on us. And because we know that the eyes of people are on us, we're a little bit more limited in how we may, you know, approach a situation because we know that people are doing things. We know that there's cameras. I could have easily have filmed the situation, but chose not to because there's children involved and that's just not my thing. So, as they continued to ride the ride um there were two two trains or I don't know if you know what to call it, but two cars, two sets of cars that were going at the time. They were on the first car, the second car came in, then there came theirs obviously came in, so I watched two cars come in before they got back now again, I don't know how long the ride is. I have rides or what a few moments it might not have been that seriously deep, except for the fact that they thought that once they got off the ride, they can come back through the line that they got into to get to their kids. And they couldn't, they had to go all the way around. So again, now these kids are even longer and it took a little minute to get around. Like the ride was pretty big. They had to go around and it just was disturbing to see that parents at this day and age, in this day and age, 2023, where parents who even do all the things right and something could happen, um, where kids are being snatched up and snatched for no reason, uh, why would you leave your kids like that? So I just say as a parent and as a reminder that, hey, tighten up, tighten up, especially when you're in public spaces. My kids and I have a code word. We have things that if somebody comes to say something to them and tell them to go somewhere, we're going to have a code word for you to use. Because again, this is the day and age where we have to be vigilant. We have to be very much vigilant because we know how things can go. In addition to going to, you know, the parent talk and having that moment, I've really just been out here in my element. I've really enjoyed doing what I do. If you don't know, I'm not only a podcaster, I write, I'm a blogger. I write for publications. I am out here doing content. I'm out here doing and collecting checks, but also doing what I absolutely love, They say when you do something that you love, when you work at doing something that you love, you never really work a day of your life and could never be true. Like it's a lot of work, but it's a lot of beautiful work. I enjoy going around, seeing different places. I enjoy seeing the things that life can bring. And it's just really been a blessing to be able to step into this element. And it does require timing. It requires, you know, to be, you know, on top of things. It requires to be organized. There's a lot of things that go along with that, but I'm grateful for God to just open that door for me to step into that. And I've really been stepping into my, let's get out of here and get it back. Like I've been out here just like, let's make this happen. But can we also talk about, you know, anxiety? Like if people think that because if you go on my social media on toy time blog, you would absolutely think that because I'm out here in these streets that I don't deal with like social anxiety that I don't have issues with talking to people in certain certain situations or that I'm just so outgoing that these times or things doesn't happen, but that couldn't be so much far from the truth. If I'm in a situation where I'm around people that I know for the most part, I'm okay. But there's been plenty of times as I step into new companies, working with new PRs, working with all kinds of different people that I'm not always in my safety element. I'm not always in my safety bubble. And so those fears of like, you know, will I be rejected? What is the company really looking for? You know, they are very much real. I did a campaign and the campaign was going well and then discovered like, oh, well, we didn't really like the, the direction you were going into. Now, does that happen often? Yes and no. It can happen. It hasn't happened to me as often. So maybe possibly it was a little bit of a, like a culture shock for me, but nonetheless, whatever it was, I've had those moments this summer. I've had this, those moments and now we're about to step into back to school. I say, now we are about to step in. Yes, I am aware that some children have gone back to school. But when I say now we are about to step in, I'm talking about my husband now. Our kids don't go back to school until after Labor Day. So that's still, we're still gathering up all the uniforms. We finished all the shopping, right? We've spent all of the moolah, the green, the dinero, the, 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 monties are spent. It's gone. Right, I swear, I sh- I think our our bank should have called us and asked us if we were committing fraud. So we've done the spending. It's now time to start the labeling and getting everything organized, and 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 getting organized to the point of making sure that I'm going to start in another week or so. I'm going to start putting breakfast sandwiches together that they're already made, and so they can kind of grab and go. Um, doing my meal prep for a lot of people in the fall is when people start doing the most meal prep. They start getting stuff together or they start doing, you know, crock pot meals, I'm all for that. I personally have to do it all year round because of the job that I do. I am somewhere almost three to four nights a week. And these people in this house has to eat. So with that being said, I meal prep all year long. Now you can meal prep like really fancy where you put, like if I was doing individual meals for myself, uh, which I probably will start getting into so I can have lunch and things together you know, you'll put everything into these cute little containers and they look great. When you're meal prepping for a family, oftentimes I'm making the bulks of meats and putting them together, putting them in these cute little Tupperwares and putting them back in the refrigerator because when it's time to heat up for dinner, we want to kind of either put them in the air fryer for uh, on reheat or we want to do microwave and heat them up because again, the, the, uh, the objective is to be quick, right? The objective is to be efficient. The objective is to make sure that the children can go to bed. My younger two go to bed at 8 p.m. on the dot. And that means homework done, checked, showers, relaxation time. We give our kids at least one hour of relaxation time every night during the school year because it's important the concept thinking that children don't need to relax. They don't need to have their mind reset that they don't need to do these things is beyond me because again, they have their own stressors. So we want to give them that time to de- to decompress. Sometimes they watch TV. Sometimes they read books. Sometimes they draw, they do artwork. It's really up to them because they're becoming their own little humans. I mean, they're already already own humans, but they're becoming their own little set people. And so they have their own likes and dislikes. We just try to nurture that. So again, we have that time. And in order for us, to get all that time in. When you think about it, a child gets off of school at about a little before three or three o'clock. By the time we get home, it's going to be closer to four. We've started snacks. We've started homework. We've started shower rotations. We started dinner. It's not that much time. That's why when parents have their kids full-time in daycare, those two to three hours is pretty much all you get before kids go to bed. And to working parents versus this whole stay-at-home mom, I've been on both sides of the spectrum. Can you hear me one more time? I've been on both sides of the spectrum. No one is better than the other. At the end of the day, parents are still trying to figure it out. Parents are still trying to scramble to make sure they give their kids the best. So I'm not here for the debate. All I know is that it takes time. So meal prepping is going to be on the list. And if you're not a normal meal prepper, learn. I, I promise you it's going to be the gift that keeps on giving when you're not stressed out to figure out what meal you're going to have every night, you can do a cute and do the calendar and do the meals on the calendar and do all that stuff. Honestly, I just make a bunch of things that I know my kids are going to eat. My family is going to eat. And we go from there, and we i listen now, the one rule I do have is I'm not pulling out all them karns you know different ones, like oh say, this one wants this, and this one wants that. I'm pulling out one at a time, we're gonna finish one at a time. That's just my thing. that's my personal thing. You do it the way you want to, but at least we're preparing for their night. We're preparing for them to complete what they need to complete so That is what's happening. Um, So inside of joining Summer, Summer is not officially over as of yet. You know, trying to get these summer suns in, get these summer tans and doing all this wonderful stuff. I've been resting, um, taking naps when I can, which is, you know, not always a thing, but when I can take a nap, um, things like, you know, having some me time, having some downtime has been great. There are days when I'm like, I'm so exhausted. I know I was supposed to go to something. I'm sorry. I can't go. Because, you know, running and running and running and running is tiring. It's very tiring. Um, but I want to talk about that anxiety one more time. So a couple of weeks ago, I was at my son's basketball and there was a couple. I don't know if it was a couple. It was just a gentleman that was there. Now, I do know who he is. I don't know how I don't really know him. No, I'm just know of him. And whatever reason, my my spirit around him just became clammy. And I noticed that when I'm around people that know me, that know me outside of like the blog and the podcast and things like that, if I've ever had an interaction with them, it could be good. It could be bad. It could be in the middle. I kind of just like wait to see how they're going to do. Like I speak, I always say, hi, I'm very cordial, but I'm really just leaning into like, feel like almost like when I was in church and they say, try the spirit to see how it is. That's kind of how I feel like I do with people when my anxiety creeps. Because I feel like sometimes we tell ourselves that these anxiety moments are the worst things possible. And let me just say, they do not feel good. I don't like the feeling of feeling uneasy. I don't like the feeling of like second guessing myself when it's time to have a conversation. I don't like the feeling of like second guessing myself as how often, like how deep in the conversation can I go? Should I pull back? I don't like that feeling. It doesn't make me feel like I'm, you know, moving in my most authentic self. However, I do realize that since I've gotten older and since I've gotten therapy, that sometimes when you have those feelings of clamminess, I feel like it's a way to protect. Like you listen to what the person is saying. You're trying to catch the vibe, see where they are. They may be checking you out. And I feel like people always catch me in the middle of me kind of like staying still and kind of just watching my environment right? Literally watching my environment to see what's going on. And at the time that my anxiety was flaring, I also had my nieces with me, which is another thing. When I have more than just my three, I turn into like, I'm already a high level mom, or I'm always watching things and watching the surroundings of children because, you know, I want to protect my kids. But when I have somebody else's children, like my nieces are my world too. But as an aunt, I'm going to shut the world down if something is like danger, like in a danger zone. So when other people that I have not been around in a while are around my nieces, my spirit is listening. Like I'm looking to see what's going on. Like my eyes is on everything because you know, you have to be watchful. And so this a couple of weeks ago, I experienced that and it hadn't happened like as deep as it was. It didn't happen like that before until now. And I was kind of taken back, like, why am I dealing with this right now? This is like weird that I'm at this space. Like, why am I in this space that I'm feeling uneasy, that I feel like I need to be watchful, that I feel like I need to start praying, or I feel like I need to be more aware. And I feel like it was a protection. It was like, you know, maybe something in that spirit of that person just didn't set right with me, whatever it was. But I used to feel so upset because I know people can tell that I'm thinking, because you'll see people try to like kind of, people will be like, hey, or, you know, toy, what's going on? Are you all right? And my face will tell you before my mouth does, I'm one of those people that my face immediately will change. You can sense that something is not together. And I could tell you 2011 times that I'm okay, but you know, you can just look at me and you can see that. And so um, I just had to keep reminding myself, it's okay. It is okay to feel the, you know, the feelings that I'm feeling. It's okay to have that. And as I did that, I felt a little bit more at ease because again, I'm around other people. I need to be sure that everything is okay. Everything that surrounds me is okay. So I say that to say that if you're having these moments and you're having these feelings where you just are like, you know, I don't know what's going on. Why am I feeling this way? Just understand that it's normal. You are watchful and it's okay. Um, Again, people always catch me in those moments. I really do hope... So enjoy your last summer vibes, enjoy them. Um, I hope that you did something wonderful with your summer. I mean, if you've been following the podcast or even the blog, I, our family went to Disney this summer. We went to almost every um, uh, amusement park around us. We spent time with family. We spent some time with friends, Um, very light travel. I've been doing some light traveling this summer. I'm doing a lot of brand trips this summer, which I'm extremely excited for. And I'm hoping the fall is going to increase. Um, And I'm going to put this in the atmosphere. I am trying to go to SXSW in March of 2024. Like I'm trying to put that out there to see, like, I I need to get somebody to sponsor that trip because let me tell you, that trip is worth it. It's a great content creator um, trip. So I'm just putting that in the atmosphere that that's going to happen. But nonetheless, Enjoy your last summer vibes. Listen, for those who deal with seasonal depression, I don't know if for you, you start to get a little weirded out in the fall. And then by winter time, you're in full blown seasonal depression, but I am doing the things that need to be done prior to getting there. Um, for instance, my medication that I am on, my doctor allows me to use at Whelm and she's me and her made a plan that when the fall hits, we are going to slowly start to take it a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit each day so that by the time winter time comes, I can maintain Lord willing with therapy, with taking care of myself, some type of continuity so that I can be good through this seasonal depression season. I know this is not the conversation that a lot of people will be like, well, you know, medication is this and that. Listen, I'm not advocating for you to take medication, right? I'm not telling you that the only way to take care of your mental health is to take medication. Um, actually I have used that as a last resort. If all the things that I know to do to take care of myself is not working, then for me, I'm immediately going to talk to my doctor and make a plan. That is me. So I am not suggesting that people do this. I am suggesting that if you choose to do it, that you shouldn't have a shame in taking it. If you choose to, that has always been my thing. I honestly feel that people should do what's best for them. And sometimes You know, because we don't understand certain things, we'll say, well, this is not okay, or this isn't right. Only no person who knows what's okay and what's right is gonna be you. You know what's right. You know what you need. And that's the point of it. I think when you start to learn yourself, you'll figure out what it is that you need. You'll figure out what it is that you want to have happen. And for me, covering myself right now in the midst of a new season is gonna be what I choose to, to focus on. I choose to focus on, okay, we know the weather is going to change. What are some of the things for me, making sure that I continuously get out of the house. So that means that while the weather isn't like, you know, show enough cold, I'm going to be the one that's going to some of the fall favorites, you know, picking apples and doing things like that, because I know that helps with my myself you know not even just my like not self-esteem but it helps with my self-care so as long as it's not raining i'm going to get out on the weekends during the week to make sure i get fresh air i make sure that i'm doing my workouts that i'm getting active that i'm doing all those types of things because again those are things that i personally need to make sure that i'm okay so with all of that being said honestly 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 Make sure you do whatever you need. And if you're like, I'm on the, you know, the beginning starts of my journey, so I'm not sure what I need. Think about the things that you like. That is the way that you want to proceed. That is the exact way that you want to proceed with that. So as far as our guest today, we have Liz Peterson, who is an advanced intuitive and energy healer. She's a Reiki master, a spiritual coach, a podcaster, and the author of Mom Died Last Night, My Spiritual Death Experience, a memoir of death, grief, and afterlife communication. I preface this conversation to say that this could possibly be a trigger for you if you have recently lost a loved one, specifically a parent. This could possibly be a trigger conversation. However, I will say that the conversation was done well in order to, again, be clear about... uh, Uh, Liz's journey with, you know, having her healing process with her mother's death, but it wasn't a situation where it was just too deep or too, too, whatever the words you would like to put into that. But because this is talking about death, I'm going to put the trigger out there, which I, I sometimes do whenever I believe a conversation could be triggerish. Now throughout her life, she has been a dedicated student of healing and metaphysical topics driven by a deep desire to understand and harness the power of energy. Drawing upon her natural born abilities and her personal journey of healing, transformation and empowerment, she brings a unique perspective to everything that she does. It is her mission to use these gifts to serve others and support them in their growth of growth and self-discovery. So without any further ado, we have Liz Peterson on today's podcast. Thank you guys for rocking it out for these uh, nine seasons. We are in season nine without any further ado, Liz, thank you for joining the conversation. All right, Conversations with Toy Family, welcome, welcome, welcome again, but we have an amazing treat today. Listen, guys, I love talking to people from different experiences, different backgrounds, because I feel like we get to learn a little bit more about other people and how we can apply what they have learned, their journeys to our own personal lives, because that's what it's all about. But today, I have Liz Peterson here, and we are going to have a conversation about what she does and the things that she's learned. I have a unique opportunity, I feel like, with this podcast to talk to dynamic women. Um, people, really just people in general, it doesn't have to be women at all, but just the unique opportunity to speak to people who can help us to get our lives together by simply sharing their stories. So Liz, thank you for being here and being a part of this conversation with Toy family.
1: Thanks, Toy. It's such a pleasure to be
0: on your show. I'm really looking forward to our conversation absolutely so let's get right into it because you are an energy healer can you explain because i know you have other titles as well um is it reiki master spiritual coach you have a lot of hats that you're wearing but when people hear that one tell me what it is and then two what are the things that people that you perceive people are thinking when they when you tell them that Great, great question.
1: Thank you. So, energy work, I love it. I've been doing it since my early 20s. It started with polarity therapy, which is a form of hands on healing work that works with the meridians in the body. So, picture it as acupuncture without the needles. I'm getting in there, I'm laying my hands on my client, and I'm running energy through my body to the client. I facilitate being a conduit for the energy to run through me and into my client. Um, It's very much working with the unseen realms. So when I'm doing the polarity therapy, when I'm doing the Reiki, which is a channeled energy that comes in through the top of the head, through the heart and out the hands, uh, Reiki very much, I do want to say very much, Is its own energy. If you try to control Reiki energy, it actually stops, unlike the earth energy that I'm running, which you can manipulate. So yeah. um, that aside, What I do is work with those unseen realms. I'm working with the aura of the body. I'm working with the chakras of the body. I am working with the meridians of the body. I'm running energy into the bodies because so often when we are going through life, we experience this adversity, these traumas in our life, and they actually get stuck in our body. And um, we call them blocks in the body. So they're energetic blocks in the body. And what happens when I'm running energy through the body is I'm moving those blocks and moving them through. Then with my intuitive ability, I'm actually seeing what's going on and able to communicate with my clients and sort of work on what's popping up in each session. And that can vary.
0: What has been some of the hesitations? Because I know like with me growing up in the church, you know, that's like the first thing they be like, don't play with the spirit world, don't do these types of things. So what are some of the hesitations that you've encountered with people who may be maybe interested or just hear about it, but they're just like, I'm not sure. What are some of the hesitation that you've heard? Well, growing up, Christian, I very
1: much knew all about that, you know, the belief systems and everything. And I really had to unplug from, you know. Maybe Catholicism, seeing that it was evil or from the devil, right? And go to know in the Bible, you know, there is healing going on, there's laying on of hands. Very often, you know, in my own church here on Vashon, when I went to the Methodist church, um, you know, people who were in need went up. know to the front and then people would stand up and lay hands on the people that is channeling energy channeling source energy god's energy through their body you know into the person for healing we can call on that at any time and it's very much goes hand in hand i'm very much working with the universe you know to channel not only earth's energy um but sources energy reiki energy and many other energies So yeah, it has been a path, you know, to sort of incorporate all of those aspects of my life into the healing work. And that was, you know, society's viewpoint of energy work was one of the things that actually stopped me from incorporating my intuitive abilities into my work for so long. And just a couple of years ago, I can say in probably 2018, I kind of stepped out of the box and I'm like, okay, I do this. 30 minute coaching session that includes my intuitive ability, my psychic ability in the beginning of the session. What would that look like if I started telling people what I saw when my hands were on them, when I'm doing the energy work? So I just kind of like, okay, I'm going to do this. You know, they like hearing it in the beginning of the session. Let's see what happens when they're in session. And I'm like, okay, I see this. I see that. And people really responded well. You know, I thought that I would have the occasional client that would kind of stop back and go, hey, you know, that's, you know, I feel uncomfortable with that. Where is this coming from? I thought I would get a lot of questions, but it was really the opposite. It really opened people up and people really um, uh, reacted in a positive way to the shift in my work.
0: So how does one, like, how did you start into this? Because I can't imagine This being something that may, and maybe I'm wrong, that this would be something that you just were like right off the bat, knew this is what you're going to do. You just went right into it. You found your purpose and plan. How did we get to this point?
1: Funny you should ask because I actually did not know at all what I wanted to do in high school. I'm like, okay, can I be a counselor? Should I go to college? Should I do a trade school? I took a year off. I ended up pursuing what turned out to be my mother's dream of going to fashion design school in Southern California, That didn't work out, moved home, um, ended up living in Virginia with some friends. And I really got into the natural aspect of life, natural healing, working um, with nature, going on nature walks, hiking, um, into uh, aromatherapy and my essential oils at that time. um, Got into uh, my vegetarian lifestyle at that point and several other things and it's funny at that time my uh psychic abilities had started opening up again so backtracking to when i was a child my abilities were open and you know they scared me as a child when i would see spirit that's scary so i turned it off for a while then it started coming back on in my 20s um i was waiting tables i was a career waitress ever since you know high school and I uh, would come home and everybody in the house was also waiting, serving at that time. So they would ask for a massage and they are like, oh, your hands are really strong. Have you ever thought about becoming a massage therapist? So I'm like, huh, that's something that I've thought of before. Maybe I should pursue that. So I ended up going to Baltimore School of Massage and my instructor was the a polarity instructor. So she taught polarity therapy. She was a shaman. She taught shamanism. She did uh, core energetics and a few other things. So I ended up sort of breaking away from the um, advanced part of the massage training for, for financial reasons to take her classes in polarity therapy. And she really nurtured me and taught me what my gifts and skills were, you know, energetically speaking, and it kind of moved on from there. Later on in my 20s, after moving to Washington State, I started experiencing panic attacks and anxiety about three months after I got married. And that led me to, via a psychic of all things, a telephone number of a woman that had a four year program doing Barbara Brennan's energy healing, core energetics, there's some shaman, I got my Reiki training there. So it was really, I think, divinely led you know, with divine timing to what I was supposed to do in life, you know, through helping myself.
0: Now I'm able to help others. That sounds amazing. Um, I want to talk about your book because how does your book and the healing journey that you went through with your mom? And, uh, and let me just say, I send my condolences to you again. Um, but I'm sure that with that experience, how did that experience help further what you already do or what, what were some of the key lessons that you learned?
1: Oh, good question. Some of the lessons I learned after my mother's death was just a validation of my own mediumistic and psychic skills and validation that we do go on after death, that our energy does transform into something. It keeps going. We can maintain that contact. And what that relationship with my mother, that change in physical relationship to spirit relationship has sort of reinforced that mediumistic ability that I had as a young child and has enabled that to come back online now after her death by communicating with her, by receiving those signs from her, those butterflies and hummingbirds and my electronics going a little wonky at three o'clock in the morning, lights flickering, um, songs coming on the radio that remind me of her having dream visitations, you know, from her, um, from the other side, that's really opened the door for me to sort of broaden my field and really welcome back in that mediumistic way of being on top of uh, my psychic skills and my
0: intuitive abilities. And with your book, uh, Mom Died Last Night, um, how was the process for you to even put that to paper, to like write this out, to type this out, to put it all together? Cause it's one thing when you have like, like I have notes and things like that, but then you take it and you put it to a book and you're, you know, it's almost like you start this process almost as you're going through it with the book. How was that?
1: Yeah. The very next day I started getting intuition to start to write. I call it, I was actually compelled to write. Like the thought kept popping in my mind over and over again, write it down, write it down write it down. And I've always been a avid note taker. You know, I have my journals that I take to workshops with me and I'm constantly writing down notes. I've got my phone next to the bed. If I wake up at three in the morning with an idea, I pop it into my notes. Um, but this felt a little bit different. This was like, you need to write this down. So I started by writing what my experience was when I picked my mother up from the hospital, what her experience was, um, <clears throat> during that, during her dying process, um, what my emotions were around the event, um, the communication that followed shortly after her death, you know, writing all of those experiences down, plus writing down my grieving process. Because after my mom died, after she passed away, I realized I was not prepared for this, even though I had experienced, you know, death in my life before at different stages and ages. I had experienced, loss of various different kinds throughout my life. I had experienced different kinds of adversity, heartbreak, but this was a little different. This it was a loss that I would personally say um, you cannot prepare for. Like I was not prepared for it. I wasn't prepared for how it was going to feel. And that grief that sets in after losing a parent, I think that we just have no comprehension of what that's going to be until we experience it.
0: Um, and you've used it. And now this book is helpful for other people because, you know, even with my own husband, his mom passed and it was just, uh, it was just unbelievably heavy. And at times, and, you know, there would be light moments at times and it was just so many different levels to his grief as well. And me watching that from the outside and trying to help him, you know, I know has been hard. Have you had people that were surrounding you during that time that was assisting you as well? It's funny.
1: I'm very much a loner and an introvert. They have a new word for that introvert extrovert, but I can't think of it right yeah, now. I, can, but I that, feel like that's that, how I am too. But I can't <laughs> That's me. Know. I love <laughs> my alone time. I don't know if okay. it comes from raising four to six kids, you know, over <laughs> the last 20 years of my past marriage. Um but I do really enjoy it. My kids were actually at their dad's house. Um, They went a day early since I was at the hospital with my mother. And then it just rolled into his five days in the parenting schedule. So I was alone in my house. I was really in shock afterwards. I was really feeling numb. I really didn't know what to do. There really wasn't that sense that um, I should be reaching out to somebody, even my sisters, like I had friends that were reaching out, you know, and texting me, how are you doing? You know, are you okay? Do you need anything? That was really nice to have people um, plugging in. I realized later, you know, that hindsight looking back that, you know, my childhood was very much set up that way that, you know, my parents were very busy, you know, they were super independent I learned that skill from them. Um, I very much, you know, learned how to cope on my own because of their busyness. And that just transfers into how we cope in life. Right. So I very much, you know, learned this coping skill that I've got it. I can do it alone. Plus, on top of that, society teaches us around death and dying that, you know, it shouldn't be a long, drawn out process. That, you know, we should just get over it. They don't, you know, society doesn't really give us time to grieve. There aren't allowances for us, you know, to sit in peace and quiet and have that grieving process. So I actually feel blessed that I had the time and space to grieve my mother and in my own way. And I learned also that I had a coping skill that I learned when I was a child and that it's okay to reach out. For help. It's okay to call a friend to talk. And I also want to let the audience who's listening know, you know, if you're going through this, you know, there are friends you can reach out to family members, there's groups that cater to um, grief and grief processes, vast number of books, there are so many people coming online these days and having this conversation. You know, I'm seeing over the last five days of conversation or five years, the conversation really opening up, you know, through death doulas and groups and books. And um, even there's some online uh, resources where they've got um, little mini workshops or longer workshops available now for people who are going
0: through the process. What has and and I know I want to switch over back over to. You when you help your your clients. Um is there is there do you want your clients to prepare? Like how does one come to you know a reading and and how do they prepare for that?
1: I tell my clients to just show up and be open to what happens. I find that during energy work, about 24, 40 hours, but 48 hours before the session, that you start getting ideas and thoughts and memories and triggers before you even enter into the healing session. Then when we sit down and have a conversation that first 30 minutes before, you know, I get my client up on the table and we start with the energy work part, we're having a conversation about what's going on, what is coming into your life, where are your feelings in this moment, and then what self-care is being done in that time. And then trans, you know transferring to the table and getting that work done. When I'm working remotely, it's a 30 minute or an hour conversation about where they are and what their needs and desires are during the session.
0: What is the takeaway? Like after they're done, like, is there a moment where they need to to just sit quietly? You know, like, is it just like a done thing? Is there a conversation? Like, how is it once the session has wrapped up? How does then that, how do you proceed after that? After we've wrapped up the session, we
1: sometimes, you know, sometimes people just need to get quiet, maybe go home and journal a little bit or take a nice Epsom salt bath or walk in nature. Um, I definitely don't recommend going shopping or to Costco after a healing. You definitely want to (laughs) take some time and give yourself some space to integrate the healing work. And that can be anywhere from 12 to 48 hours afterwards, depending on the work that we've done. Um, But Most of the time we sit down and we have a discussion about what happened, you know, during the healing, was there anything that happened during their meditative process? Because when you're laying on the table, as with getting a massage, right, you're able to sort of just relax and let go and let your mind wander. So talking about where, where has your mind wandered? Do you have any questions afterwards? You know, are you feeling like you need any self-care or can I offer you any self-care afterwards?
0: I love that, and we'll get into your self care in a minute. But I wanted to ask you, how do the people around you in your circle of friends, family, how do they respond to you? They think that you're going to read them all the time. Like, are they apprehensive of that? Like, how does that all work out? I definitely let everybody
1: know that I don't live my life on with the on switch and open for business (laughs) sign (laughs) on. It does like, if I'm doing something fun, like I go on a ghost tour or something like that, of course, like I turn it on because I want to be on, right. I want to receive messages, but most of the time when I'm with my friends, when I'm out and about, you know, we're going shopping or having lunch or tea or coffee, going for a walk, I'm closed for business unless they ask. Okay. It really is a violation of personal, you know, privacy, for me to be reading them all the time. Right. And I don't need it either. Like I'm a sponge and I can absorb everything from the environment, but why do that? You know, to myself, I get tired, I get worn out. Um, I, I get wild dreams in the middle of the night, sleepless nights. So for for me to be plugged in all the time would be unhealthy actually for me. So I kind of turn the dial down, so to speak on my abilities and just be present and in the moment, you know, as a friend.
0: That's amazing. And since we did talk about, since we kind of are going into that conversation, I do want to talk about it because you said about having to turn off and not be tied down and then the self-care, how do you manage all of that? Because even though you have the ability to turn on and off and you do have those heavier moments, how do you turn, like, how do you turn off? How do you unplug that? As
1: an empath, this has definitely been a work in progress. My intuitive abilities have definitely been a work in trust and faith in myself and these intuitions that I get all the time. It has been a work over, I would say, my entire lifetime. So what I would tell people, if they're empathic, if they're a sponge, if they've got psychic abilities, learn how you work, learn how you absorb energy. And then do things for yourself that help you to manage those abilities, right? If you find that you're at the mall and when you get home, you're exhausted, you know by that exhaustion that you have absorbed everything from the mall and totally tapped yourself out. So what you need to do the next time is have awareness that, okay, if I'm not paying attention to my energy levels then I'm going to get drained and I'm going to be exhausted when I leave the mall. So maybe I try to stay in the present moment. Maybe I try not to people watch so much and absorb their energy. Maybe I put a little bubble around myself of healing energy where it only allows good to come in and keeps the negative out. Or maybe I need to kind of watch my energy system and pay attention to, okay, now I'm getting tired. So maybe I should leave now and not hit those last five stores before I go home because I'm already feeling tapped out. I need to kind of unplug from the situation right now. So that's what I do. I, there's an awareness that happens about when I'm out and how much I can invest in. Just last weekend, we were having Strawberry Festival here on island and I was tired. I chose to go one, one day out of the weekend And I decided energetically where I was at in that moment that I would kind of hang out in the periphery of the group, but not be in the center of the group because I knew on the periphery, I was okay. I could maintain my energy and my boundaries. But if I was in the center of the group, there's all of this energy swirling around me. I would just take it on.
0: That's amazing. What are some of the other um, things that you like to do when it comes to self-care and just making sure that you're taking care of you and making sure that you're okay?
1: My number one is sleep, getting a good, good night's sleep. I've always been like this my entire life, even since a child, I could sleep for 12 hours, no problem. So really paying attention to, okay, I'm staying up late watching a movie right now. You know, Can I afford to do that? you know, is that an expense that I can handle tomorrow? You know, I'm always looking ahead to my next day. What do I have going on the next day? What energy investment is that going to be the next day? And what do I need to do today to prepare for that energetic investment that I have tomorrow? So number one would be sleep. I definitely love to get out in nature. I love nature. Um, I live in a little cottage in the woods now with a little trail nearby, which is really nice to get out with the dogs and go for a walk. I like getting my feet in the sand and in the salt water and stepping into Puget Sound and diving in now that it's warm enough to do that here in the Pacific Northwest. Um, Epsom salt baths are a go-to. I love massage and chiropractic as far as maintaining my physical body, eating healthy, drinking lots of water and tea and those sorts of things, and time, taking time for myself to know when I'm getting overwhelmed and I need to step back, when I need to take a personal day for myself, um, just the having that time to myself to kind of reboot is really important.
0: Now, because you are an energy healer, do you allow other people to practice on you? And if so, how are you selective of that, of that person or persons that would practice on you? I am really
1: selective about who works on me. Um, I have a great massage therapist. I'm in the process of picking out a new chiropractor right now. And part of my process and picking that chiropractor out is, you know, how are they with the client? Are they looking at more than just my physical structure? Because I've got all these energy energetic blocks. And there's a lot of chiropractors coming online now that are actually looking at past history, which I think is really important because as they're adjusting their body, people, their patients' bodies, they're actually moving those blocks as well, right? Um, I am also in the process of seeking out a new energetic healer since, you know, mine has shifted into something else. And one of the things I'm looking for is, you know, what's their history? What's their training? Can they hold their boundaries? You know, are they intuitive? Are they able to be in the moment with me and um, have clear boundaries energetically?
0: How are you able to determine if they have a clear boundaries, especially, I mean, I guess you would have to read them because I I was just like, how do you determine that if, you know, I I just want to know that was just, it's just curious to me.
1: Right. Um, It definitely takes an appointment to figure that out. (laughs) So (laughs) a lot of times we don't have these pre-appointments set up with our massage therapists or chiropractors or acupuncturists or energy healers. So we have to have that one on one experience with that energy healer in order to know. Most of the time they have had that training where they know to stay grounded they know to stay in their own energy they are ramping up their energy system to stay above our energy system as they're doing the healing so they're not taking on our stuff and then they're having those emotional boundaries with us as well where they've been trained to kind of separate their life and their experiences from what their clients experiencing and once um once you've had that experience with them, you can kind of suss out how they are with you.
0: Just, I just, just curiosity. It just was like, this is very interesting. I just wanted to know, because I'm sure somebody who's listening would think the same. I, I would assume, I would assume I can't be the only person that's probably asked that question or thought about that. So I figured why not ask? <laughs> a great
1: question. Yeah, it was a great question. Thank you for asking that.
0: Yeah, just, you know, just the curiosity, because again, I'm sure, I mean, I'm particular about who who touches me and who works on me and who does things. So I would imagine you would have to be even more because you know, the, the power and energy and you know, how powerful that can be to have people just deposit things on you. So that's why I'm always like, Oh, what's going on? You know, I always got to know like just you know, try the spirit and see what see what's going on and all the things. Yeah. But, um, Yeah. I just always wondered about that. Uh, What are some of the ways that let's say someone who's listening, because I know I I heard you say that you can do like online, like, you know, Zoom or face-to-face or however, how can someone who is interested in learning more about what it is that you do or even get a reading or however they would like to proceed, how can they get in contact with you? What are all the information? So I have my new website
1: up now, raise the vibe with Liz.com. And it has all the ways that you can work with me. It has detailed descriptions on what an energy work session is, what a psychic session is, um, what a spiritual coaching session is, um, what that experience will be like. I work here on the island. I also work in Tacoma, Washington, doing psychic readings on Tuesdays and energy healings on Thursdays. And then you can work with me remotely too. And I can even do energy work During remote sessions, we are energetic beings and we are connected through space and time. So if, you know, I'm here in Washington and I've got a client in Maryland that does transfer through these energetic lines that we have with each other across the country. So it's very easy to work remotely. I do want to actually add one more thing to what you were saying after um, the last question, you know, in how we know how to work with somebody. I do also want to add that when we're in a friendship, say we go out with a friend and we're at the end of that, you know, coffee date or whatever, we come home and we feel energized, we know that that's a great person to work with. If we come home and we feel exhausted, we know that, you know, maybe they're they're
0: kind of an energy suck <laughs> to put it mildly, you know. I feel like you may <laughs> you have I feel like that was something you needed to tell me because I actually have been dealing with that. So if nobody else caught that, which I hope that other people can, because it's very <laughs> well true. Like I have 100% agree with that statement. It's, uh, yes. I'm in the midst of reshifting some things, but yes, I agree. Awesome. With that. Yes. I felt like I needed to say that. <laughs> and, and, and I received it and I receive it because I'm telling you right now that that was on time. I needed to hear that. Um, but yes. I'm glad that you said that because we spend so much time giving our energies to the wrong people, the wrong things. And then we're wondering why we're all frustrated, why we're sick, why we have all these things going on. And that was it. Yes, Toy,
1: 100%. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that right there was it. I needed to hear that. Thank you. I'm hearing. Um, so if you are listening and I'm hoping that you're listening and you're going to share, and you're going to have questions, you're going to have all the things. And listen, I am not the person to ask. You're going to ask Liz. That is the, this Liz is the expert here. So I'm going to make sure that in the show notes, you can click on all the things. You can hear all the things. You can get all the answers that you couldn't get on this a uh, few moments that we spent. I want you to go on there, click and get what you need because that's what it's all about. It's not about me. It's not about Liz. It's about getting people help because there's uh, people that need things. They need to be able to fill and get these energies and do what they need to do. So I am 100% for that. So thank you so much. Thank you, Toy. It's been a pleasure to be on the show and speaking with you. It's been
1: a great conversation. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. Not a and problem I look forward to work with
0: everybody. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yes. Make sure you go back into the show notes. I can't stress that enough. You'll be able to click on it. You'll see it highlighted. You click on it. You get right to her website. You get all the things that you may need and go from there and get what you need is if it's here and you're listening, it's not a mistake that you hear you're listening. It's before a reason. So tap in and get what you need. So what did you think about this episode for this week? I know that it was a little rough coming right into this type of conversation. But again, everything that we hear, everything that we listen, we take what part is for us and we make sure that we apply it. Also, I also believe that gifts and talents come before you're born. I honestly believe that. That's why people easily walk into their gifts and talents and their teachings because it's kind of like innate in them. So I'm sure there is a gift that's inside of you that may have looked or seemed a little off or it will seem like it was pre-developed before it's time. I honestly feel like the things that we naturally gravitate to are our gifts. And sometimes we kind of leave them, kind of sit dormant, um, and we need to learn how to pick those gifts and talents, talents back, back up, whatever your gift is, it will always make room for itself, which means that no matter what you do, it's going to kind of like keep showing itself. Like if you're supposed to be a writer, you always find yourself writing when you're supposed to be certain things. You always find yourself doing those things. Even when you tell yourself I'm taking a break or I'm no longer doing that, um, It doesn't matter. Those gifts and talents are never going to go anywhere. Just make sure that you use them because the worst thing you can do with the gift or a talent is to waste them. Listen, there's so many people with so much talent. I know of a family member who can sing his behind off, but he doesn't always sing as often as he should. And I'm talking about the type of singing where he can make some money, right? The type of singing where people will want to hear what he has to say. Um, Not, you know, just singing in the shower type situation, right? Which there's nothing wrong with that. I say all that to say, don't let your talents go to waste don't let them sit there by the wayside at all. So thank you, Liz, for being a part of the conversation and being on the Conversations with Toy Family. This is an amazing time. I'm so grateful. In addition, today is National Kiss and Makeup Day. Now, listen, I have had times when you have been in a situation where you are in a fault, meaning you have done something to someone um, or someone has done something to you and you are not talking to that person, Right. It could be a loved one. It could be someone that's in your own home, meaning your spouse or significant other, whatever the case may be. I just believe now that I've gotten a lot older that you should try to make peace with everybody that's possible. Now, sometimes that peace means gifting people the peace to move on and you move on without anything going on. You don't have to be spitting cousins. You ain't gotta be talking to each other. You don't gotta do all that, but sometimes gifting people peace. Sometimes gifting people that peace that they don't even want to give to you is the way I I live in my peaceful moments. But today is Kiss and Makeup Day, which means, again, just to help to facilitate a little bit of um, peace in your own personal life. I don't know why people don't understand, and it does sound a little cliche, so I do get it, but... When you forgive someone, it really isn't about them. Like sometimes, a lot of times people aren't deserving, including you. Like I'm not deserving, you're not deserving of it. But gifting people forgiveness and moving on sometimes isn't even about them. It's about you. I'd rather know that I've made my peace on earth. I'd rather know that I've just said what I needed to say and kind of moved forward. And today is that day. So if you have something that you need to get off your chest with someone in the right light, try to do it. Sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. Now, today's drink of the day, because listen, listen, I know for those who hate fall, and I mean legitimately hate the fall time, I don't know what you're going to do. Like, I don't know what you're going to do. And I know we have not touched fall. We haven't barely cleared summer. However, Starbucks, as well as Dunkin' Donuts have brought their fall menu. Now I have tried both of the new, well, first of all, let me just say this. I can't say both have tried new because Dunkin' Donuts doesn't even have this drink. However, if you are not a Starbucks fan, for whatever reason, I'm going to pray for you, but maybe you're not. Um, Starbucks does have a new drink and it is called the Ice Pumpkin Cream Chai Tea Latte. It is absolutely amazing. But if you're not a Starbucks fan and you want to go to Dunkin' Donuts, you can get an iced tea latte an iced tea chai latte and add the pumpkin flavor. Now it will not taste as good as Starbucks. I'm sorry. It won't, but it is a good drink and it's not something that's on their menu. You literally need to get the iced chai tea latte and add the pumpkin flavoring to it. So I'm going to put that as the drink of the day, whatever you want you want to get. Now, if you can make this at home, by all means, Save the coin and go ahead and make it at home because some of y'all have had these beautiful, beautiful barista houses and kitchens, and y'all got all the things. Um, I don't have that. I probably need to go get some K cups that are pumpkin and maybe get a chai latte uh, K cup or something and then add the pumpkin flavor. I could do that nonetheless, however you choose, whether it's to save money, no matter what your reasonings are, do what you need to do. But I am going to start that good pumpkin um, flavoring because that's what I do. I am here for it. And that is the drink of the day this weekend. Make this weekend. Great. Make it great. Not like, you know, who, but just make the weekend. Great. Why? Because you deserve it. Find an activity that you love that will fill you up, that builds you up, that makes you feel like you're the most amazing thing because you are have the most amazing weekend. We will be back next week we have a whole nother uh guest host with us i'm excited you know i love bringing guests i'm gonna try to bring as many guests as we possibly can but we are ready and going forward in the podcast so thank you for rocking out with us this is season nine episode one we had liz on our show and i am ecstatic um for what this episode and what this is going to bring. Um, Liz Peterson is amazing. We are truly, 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 and love having her on here. So have a great weekend, have your drink of the day, make sure that you kiss and make up, find something that you enjoy. And remember your gifts, your talents are going to come before you even born. So don't let them stay dormant. And in addition, When your anxiety flares, make sure you realize that it could just be a warning or something to guide you through that process. Have the most amazing weekend. We will be back with you next Friday for Conversations with Toy.